Hello, everybody. Welcome to ADD Masterminds. I am Bridge Lavoie, and I am here with Jimmy, the talking table. And I come with fan art these days, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shared that, too. We shared that on um, our ADD Masterminds Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter. So follow us on all of those. It's at ADD Masterminds. I'm a real celebrity now, I think. People are drawing me. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is I was like, this is listener art. And then I found out that the listener has never listened to the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> she's listened I to, lied. <laughs> she's listened to the Wax Museum and she's listened to Jimmy's Table podcast, but she's never she didn't even know there was an ADD Masterminds. <laughs> she didn't? Yeah, I was I was trying to ask her to come on and she's like, What's that? And I was like, Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I told her she needs to give it a listen so she can get the format because she's like, I don't even know what the format is. And I'm like, you'll have to listen to it. Right. Well, aren't you all glad this isn't one of those dumb robot selected clip shows? God, I hate those. <laughs> when you, okay, so you posted on Facebook saying like you hate those clip shows. Did you know that we had an ADD Masterminds clip show when you did it, or were you even thinking of that? I wasn't thinking of it because I had I listened to about half of it, but then I started looking. I totally forgotten about it. And I started looking at work while I was look, looking to kind of fill some time up at work with some podcasts and running in the background. I started looking at stuff to play, and I was like, everybody shows a rewind show this week, and you know that might be cool for a show that has like five hundred you know, podcast episodes or something, and I, or I'm only a recent listener, but uh, I don't know if some of them, I'm like, I've been listening to you for a year or two, and I don't want to listen to the best of from this year, so that's just me, though. No, I wasn't I, throwing shade. I wasn't throwing shade, but. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny, though, because it's like, when it comes to, like, TV shows, it's like, that's the worst. It's right. like, I've seen all these clips. Please don't do this to me. Right. Um I guess I don't really listen to podcasts during Christmas break much. Mm. So I haven't really had any. And, and I listen to so many different podcasts. It's like the odds of me catching a best of clip show is pretty right. low. So. Well, the uh, over at Jimmy's table.com, nothing but fresh content every week. So no, no rewind shows, no best of shows, just me raw, unedited, brand new every week. Amazing. <laughs> So, so overall, how has 2020 been for you, Jimmy? Overall, it is kind of a mixed bag. Um, it wasn't the worst year of my life. wasn't the best year of my life. Um, so I think, you know, overall, it was, it was okay. There are some good things. You know, I, I got myself a little bit better off financially, um, physically, especially after the prior year in which I broke my leg and ended up in the hospital for a week with a blood clot. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, that caused some other medical issues that I was having to deal with earlier this year. And, and I got a lot I got all those taken in the bud, you know, nipped in the bud and doctor took me off medicine and all that sort of stuff. So that that was cool. Um, but at the same time, I, I had a good f uh, a friend that died um, mm. and then a long term friend of like 13 years. Uh, you know, we ended up parting ways as friends. Right. because Every time I talked to them, they were talking about. Joe Biden is a pedophile and part of a sex ring of people exploiting people. And that I was like, well, please don't share that. <laughs> and so that ended up, uh, especially when they're always wanting to share it with me, I'm just like, you know, telling them, 
you shouldn't be a liar and a gossip. And that didn't go over well with them. Um, and they said they were doing it yeah. to protect their kids. And, you know, we ended up parting ways. So, you know, some things were great this year. Some things were bad. And then, of course, all the COVID and social unrest stuff. Um, yeah. That was pretty rough. Some of that was good. This, I think some of the social unrest was maybe even necessary. But, um, you know, kind of a kind of a difficult year overall. Um, how about you? Yeah, you know, I started the year working for a big corporation and, you know, like right around when COVID hit, um, I finished up there and went back to consulting. And so it's kind of like being, you know, small fish in a big pond to being one of the big fish at a company. Um, <laughs> it, it was a nice transition. Like, it's like, I don't think I realized I really wanted this to happen till it happened. And then I'm like, okay, I'm kind of glad to be back now. Um I did, I lost a friend over um, COVID as well, like during that time. Um, not, they didn't die. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so we we had, it was difficult because um, they were very anti-restrictions and all of that. And they're just continuously, you know, pushing that. And it's like, and that's, I mean, easy enough to do on Facebook. You just unfollow them. But it's like, okay. anytime I posted anything remotely related to it, they would attack me. Right. And so it's, it, it was difficult because, you know, we were longtime friends. Right. Um, but it's like the whole family, um, including, you know, their children, you know, are very toxic about this. Mm. And so it made it really difficult. And so that, that was a difficult part of it. Um, I think it's really hard to, um, you know, deal with like, you know, my grandparent, like my, um, my wife's grand grandmother, she's been in a home and we haven't been able to see her. So there's a lot of difficult parts of this, um, you know, and I'm working less. And so I've learned to enjoy kind of a slower pace, mm. um, but I, I think what's been really hard about this is people that think the simple solution is to not have restrictions behave as if those of us who are going along with this are not having a hard time with it. Right. And it's like, though, this is hard for all of us. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, but what makes it harder is when you have people who are continuously saying, we don't have to do this. This is dumb. We don't have to do this. This is dumb. And it's like, well, this isn't helping me. I'm pretty stressed about this, right? but I'm going along with it because like we're out of space in our hospitals. And so I'm like, there's nothing else we can do. Like, I don't know what our other options are. Right. Right. And it's not my job to figure out the other options. And so I think that's, what's been really difficult. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I gotta say like, you know, when people were talking about like 2020 vision and it's been kind of like that, joke going around, you know, where it's just like, oh, you see 2020 now, right? And um, I think, you know, I really believed, you know, at the beginning of this year that what would actually unite us as a people is if we actually had a common enemy. Mm -hmm. And my 2020 vision is that that's not going to happen. Like, it's like, we will not agree. Our society is so divided. Right. We will not agree. We will not be able to see eye to eye on certain things, even if 
the worst calamity happens because there's so many different interpretations of this calamity. And I think what's difficult is that, you know, the death rate isn't as high as people would want it to be to warrant it being serious. And so, yeah, so I mean, like, and that's, and so, I mean, like, I don't really spend a lot of time trying to figure out what alternative solutions are, because that's not really my job. <laughs> my job is just to adhere to what I'm, you know, what we're supposed to do. And my job also includes showing people, you know, how masks work, right? And so, I mean, I can explain that to you, but, like, as for, you know, epidemiology and all this stuff, it's like, yeah, yeah I'm not going to pretend I understand that. And so... <laughs> Right. Um, but it's it's very uncertain times, and we've been living in uncertainty since March of 2020. And so some of us deal with it by saying, you know, I can't even think about it. And others deal with it by looking at the stats and saying, no, 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 this is not a big deal. And that's just a hard thing for me to understand. I'm like, I... I don't think this is helping things like we have to do this either way. Right. And so I don't know. It's, it's, it's been hard. Um, so what will 2021 look like? I, th I think so lot, hard to say. I think a lot of people are maybe a little too optimistic about it. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think there's this need for this cathartic, like feeling that, oh, 2021's here, we can finally turn the page on 2020, and, you know, it's going to be a new chapter of life, and things are going to get better, and, well, I think certainly things are going to get better. I mean, the vaccine is out there now, um, and people are going to start getting that, and hopefully they'll start getting it at a quicker rate than, you know, what they've been getting it so far, um, which I understand is kind of, seems like it's being kind of slowed out, slowed and it's rollout and maybe even a little botched, but you know, I, I think it's going to be difficult year. I think we've this past year and the years leading up to it, we've planted some seeds that are due to grow and were to reap one day uh, the harvest of those seeds. And whether that happens in 2021 or 2022 or whatever, I think there's some, there's some bad stuff we've planted out there and we're not going to like it when it finally springs up to its full maturity. Um, and I, I, so I'm, even though I think there'll be some good things about this year, I'm, I'm a little concerned that, that we're doing some real damage to our society. Um, and that's kind of, you know, something that really kind of worries me. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't even begin to try to predict what 2021 is. I, I think, you know, like we're going to. I think that numbers are going to go down and we're going to start to open up again um, and try to resume a somewhat normal life, but it's not going to be 100% normal. Um, my understanding is until like the fall of 2022. So what? it's like, <laughs> so it's like, that sucks right. so bad. Um, but it's like, let's make the most of it. Um, we will have, you know, a couple of big air smudge releases happening in 2021. Um, hopefully, I want to say by the spring, we'll have Tirefall's full-length debut album. And then maybe maybe we're looking at the summer 
um, my second release, Green, will be out. So, right. so I'm really excited about this. I think it's like next level stuff. So, cool. um, New Year's resolutions. Do you make New Year's resolutions? No, uh, I'm not a resolutions guy. I like to constantly think that I'm kind of always making goals for myself uh-huh. and taking inventory of my life and what's going on. Like at best, I look at the start of the calendar date as an opportunity just to say, okay, did I accomplish what I set out to accomplish this year? Is there anything I could tweak? Um, but I think that's really no different than what I would normally do on just any given, you know, month or quarter or random times of the year. I've always liked a shiny new year. And so like, I'm not like by the end of the year, I'm going to be this but it's always like kind of giving myself a new focus. And so this time around, I've been thinking a lot about how like, I noticed something, you know, that my my daughter will, uh, will say, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. And we're all just kind of like, oh, okay, good, it's okay. And then I realize, hold on, she's doing what I do, where it's really not okay, but says it's okay, because, she doesn't want to inconvenience people. And I'm like, I need to stop doing that. I'm modeling something very unhealthy. And so um, I think I want to become more forthright mm. with things and be okay with inconveniencing people. So that's what I want to work on this year. Nice. So it's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's like, well, I'm going to hit the gym every week for the rest of the year and then I'm going to quit the gym after a month. You know, it's not that kind of thing, but it's just kind of like this is my new focus is I want to become more of this. Because the problem is is like when you're an empath, I think it's very difficult to make people's lives hard. And so um and I think part of it too is that I misread other people. Because I expect them to be the same way as me. Right. And so I'm like, why Why are you hurting me unnecessarily? Like, I would never <laughs> do that to you, right? But it's like people are different. They have different ways of looking at things. Um, so um, why, why doesn't Sean Bean's name rhyme? I don't even know who Sean Bean is. <laughs> Sean, Sean Bean is like the blonde guy that, like, dies in every movie. He's in... um. He's in Lord of the Rings. He's the oh, blonde okay. guy. Anyways, it's just funny that it's spelled that way. And I, I did a whole Twitter thread. Oh, I, I see what you're doing. That, that, I was like, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, you would think like two words me. that end in in would, you know, have a little bit more rhythm to them. But I guess they don't. English is a funny language like that. English is dumb. I was going to say, like, English is dumb. I'm going to stop speaking it. But, like, my my pig Latin and my <laughs> French are not very strong. Oh. So I guess I'm stuck with English. Well, you could just start speaking American. Yeah. 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 That's different, right? Right. Um, it's a whole other country. Do you, do you think that people at times speak truth just blurt out truth out of cowardice Mm. like it's kind of like this idea that it's like well i just told the truth i was supposed to tell and now i'm done my hands are clean and i think that like within christianity a lot of times it's like well 
I'm going to go tell that person that this is a sin. And then you walk away and you feel good about yourself, but you haven't really done anything to help that person. Mm. You know, and it's like this kind of idea that it's like everybody around me is not ready for the truth. And I tell them the truth all the time. And that's my job. My conscience is clear. That's all that matters. And it's like there is something called, I believe it's a Kairos word. Am I using the right term? Kairos is a timely word. Mm. Like there's different types of time. There's Kronos and there's Kairos. Kronos is sequential. And Kairos is the right time. Right. And so I think there takes, you know, it takes a certain amount of wisdom for us to know when's the time to speak that word. And that could mean that sometimes you're not speaking it and you're waiting. Mm. And um, it is, it's, it's hard, I think, because I think we're afraid to be perceived as cowards, maybe. And it's, I, I think that's the thing that I saw that was really interesting, too, with COVID, is how many Christians were going around telling people, well, I'm not afraid to die. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, all right, so in doing so, like when you say that, it feels like you're shaming people who are afraid to die. So I don't want to go around saying that because it may shame people who are afraid to die, which is a pretty normal fear that people have. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, your family hearing you say that, that's not fair to them either. And for you to just say, well, I'm not afraid to die. And it's like, yeah, well, your wife might miss you. So maybe don't be reckless for her sake. Right. Even even if you are Mr. Bravery, not scared of death. I, I think that's an interesting concept. Like, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about it in those terms as truth bombs being a cowardice thing, but... I guess so. It, it, it definitely can be because really sometimes the the bold thing is to walk softly and gently with people and to quietly strive with them um, so that you can help them along. And that's that's the hard thing to do. Whereas, you know, simply doing a mic drop type moment is kind of cathartic feeling and it feels good and it feels like you've laid it all out on the line. Um, and that you were bold for Jesus. But I don't think we necessarily need to be bold for Jesus so much as Jesus needs us to just come walk alongside people. And the walking alongside people and doing the hard thing and, you know, maybe having, sharing some of your own honest questions, questions that make you feel vulnerable and then having to admit that maybe you don't have all the answers and allowing that to be a tool of persuasion versus just the the guy who's got an answer for anything and everything and isn't afraid to let it rip um you know i i think there's i think there's a good truth in there the, the that such people could be perceived as as cowards um and i i think you see a lot of that on twitter too a lot of people like kick up a storm and and make quite the following online by constantly being known as this this guy or this girl that tells the truth, especially these these whistleblowers and watchdog types um, who decry abuse or heresy or, you know, what have you. Um, and they're just like, oh, I'm and, and then somebody attacks them and they're just like, oh, you're just attacking me because 
you know, you're just trying to defend the status quo and blah, blah, blah. And it's part of like, well, you know, maybe if you hadn't just been so explosive and bombastic, uh, maybe you might have actually had the opportunity to persuade somebody. But, you know, because you were more concerned about being perceived as right and bold and feeling good about the entire exchange. You know, yeah. that sort of thing kind of forces you to, you know, behave in a certain way that keeps you from having to do the hard work and the hard work you know, is really where the, the boldness is needed the, and, and where there are no cowards. Um, yeah, no. And I think uh, like part of it too, is like, it's um, you get more attention by being bombastic. Right. Um, that's is the sexier thing. Right. And I, I think it's the same thing too, you know, in being a social justice warrior Right. And making these broad, like these huge statements, you know, when in reality, if you're going to defend the marginalized, don't stand up for them, stand with them, right. give them a voice, allow their voice to be heard. Right. And I, I've been thinking a lot about that and how it's so easy to like decide well i'm gonna be the hero here i'm gonna be the person that stands up for this person but it's like the real right thing to be doing is to get out of the way you know and figure out how to get out of the way and not make a big scene right and and i think that takes a level of bait bravery you know knowing that you know what i may not get recognized for this but i'm going to do what i can to help in this situation Right. And so whether it is, you know, helping someone with their sin issue or whether it is helping someone who's being sinned against, you know, in both of those situations, there's a bombastic way of doing it that's com completely ineffective in a lot of cases. Right. And then there's the come alongside and strengthen the person, you know, in that situation and know that you may not get noticed. And that, I believe, is the right approach in a lot of cases. So you said that there was some kind of March of Jericho for President Bleep. What are you talking about? Yeah, so a couple weeks ago on uh, the National Mall in Washington, D.C., a bunch of mostly conservative, mostly evangelical, mostly of the charismatic Pentecostal variety got together to cast the demons out of Washington, D.C. by doing a march around the state capitol and blowing shofars painted red, white, and blue um, in order to overcome the demonic forces that deceived the nation into believing that uh, future President Bleep actually won the, uh, the election, when in truth, the current President Bleep uh, one and then one by a wide margin and a landslide, but because the demons have deceived everybody, um, uh, they, they, they felt the need to do this March of Jericho and to cause the walls to come tumbling down and the truth to be exposed. And there's some pretty high name profile folks in it, like, uh, former Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Uh, you had the quote unquote, my pillow guy. Uh, I don't, do, do you guys have the, my pillow guy in Canada? The No, but yeah, I, you know, I don't understand yeah. what the deal is, but that's okay. We don't talk politics anyways. <laughs> but, okay, here's the thing. Like, I was, 
So I still don't think that we've proven that, you know, this isn't over. And yeah. it's funny because I talked to my family about it and it's like January 20th, it'll be over. And I'm like, I have a hunch it's still not going to be over. Sure. I, I feel like it's never going to be over. Right. And so I'm like, I'm going to hold back any judgment on this. Um, but it's interesting how spiritual a lot of this, you know, like how people have tried to make this, you know, a big spiritual issue. Right. And, you know, charismatics are kind of jumping in here and stuff. And then again, it kind of brings me back to what is the purpose of prophecy? What is the purpose of knowing a truth? And I feel like for a lot of people in the charismatic end of things, they believe that the reason for prophecy is so that I can be like, aha, yes, when it happens. And it's like, we are vindicated. We are right. And now everyone's going to want to be, you know, on our side because we're the ones that are right. And I really believe there's a good percentage of the population that don't care so much about who is right and are more so concerned about who is actually empathetic, who is actually loving. And this win at all costs kind of mentality and this belief that God's going to be on our side winning at all costs is something that's leaving out a significant amount of the population and it works against spreading the gospel. And uh, probably I got into a, you know, fight with someone on Twitter over this and they kind of said, well, no, people reject God's truth because they don't want the truth. Right. And I'm like, so what you're saying is it doesn't matter how Christians behave. And that's kind of what it came to is like, there's just kind of a wall there. Like there's no talking about conduct. Right. Conduct doesn't matter. Those people have not chosen God because they're evil. And I'm just like, I, I can't, I can't accept that as an answer because there are people that are very close to me who are losing their faith right now yeah. because of, how arrogant and awful Christians are being. Sure. And yet people still want to cling to this win at all costs thing because they really believe that the truth is everything and that if I'm right and if I have the truth, we win and everyone's going to join us. And it's like, that's, that's not it. Like, I, I really believe that God is love. And so if we're not loving we're not going to draw anybody to God. And that's something that's missing. And people are like, well, not just love, truth. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but <laughs> truth, truth is part of love. Right. If you actually pursue love, there will be truth in it. Sure. You know, if I truly love my child, I'm not going to let him, you know, become a, you know, murderer drug addict, you know, awful, awful, whatever. I'm not going to be okay with that. You know, I love my child. I want what's best for him. I want truth for my child. Love is enough. We don't need to 
put love on hold and just whip people with the truth. Right. Because again, it comes back to the, well, I delivered the truth. That's all that matters. If they can't accept the truth, I hate them. They can die. I, I set the bomb off just like Muhammad wanted me to, right? I mean, that's that's what it comes down to is that, you know, they may not be strapping a suicide bomb to their chest like some, you know, Islamic individual from um, the land of Taliban. But, uh, you know, but we kind of have the same approach, like, you know, the Muslim that comes over here and blows things up in the name of Muhammad, you know, is kind of taking the same we're kind of taking the same approaches like. He doesn't understand why we can't love his God like he does, you know, and well, and the problem is, is that you get on the extreme end, like the fringe of Islam, you've got the what they call the fundamentalists or I don't know if they'd even consider them fundamentalists. They consider them extremists who are like saying we need to kill all these people. Um, And I mean, like the extremists within Christianity that really want to fight and you know they want to push the truth at all costs look similar you know within christianity i don't actually see anybody actually getting violent so that's a good thing but the problem is is that when you look at the fringes of christianity and then you compare them to a moderate muslim person the moderate muslim person typically looks way more loving my gosh like i remember we went to Calgary, in the city that I work in, and there's the shawarma place, and we go to the shawarma place, and there's a Muslim guy who would um, go for prayer, and he would be closed during the day for a certain period of time, you know, to go for prayer, and I'd come to have a shawarma right after prayer, and this guy comes in, and he's just the most peaceful, loving guy, and he's like, what can I get for you, my brother? I just look at him and I'm like, so this is this is the guy that Christians say are is full right. of hate. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but the extreme end of Christianity looks way more hateful than this guy. Very There's much. something about this guy calling me brother that I was like, that is beautiful. Right. It's like, can we and and again, like I really we gotta stop like separating people and saying like, well, this guy's a Muslim though. He doesn't know what love is. Sure. And it's like that's that's crap. I'm sorry. He was made in the image of God, and I, I believe he has a measure of faith. He has a measure of understanding of who God is. And if we can meet him where he's at and say, all right, so you believe that God is loving. You believe that you need to pray to God, you know, at this time every day. I love your devotion. That's really cool. Um, where do we differ? Like, what are the differences in how we see God? Because there may be some things that I can offer from Christianity that's better than what he currently has, right? Right. Um, but it's like there is no conversation if we're just stuck on trying to get people to say the magic words that we use. Right. You know, that's kind of what it boils down to. Use the magic words that we use. Um, we want godly laws in our country. We want, we want all these things. And we want to force our way into it. And I'm like, I, Jesus, the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. It's not the way of the sword. And I think the way of the sword that people are pushing is looking too much like radical Islam. And 
people are getting pushback and our society is hostile to Christianity because of that. Right. And so what do we do then? What do we do as Christians? The world is hostile to Christianity. And I'm, I, I don't know. Like I, I see so many people post, the world will hate you because of Christ. And I'm like, all right, well, the problem is every person I see posting that, it's like the world hates you because you're arrogant. <laughs> like there's, you know, and so I'm like, so am I, am I too likable? Am I being too likable? Have I compromised? And that's why I'm likable to so many people. Mm. And I don't, I don't think telling people to pursue love is the wrong thing. And so, I mean, I don't need people to use my magic words, you know, and there will be a point, I think, in the journey where it's kind of like, all right, well, you guys are okay with this, but this is wrong, you know? And I think, I think where Christians got persecuted is for loving the wrong people. You're loving the people you're not supposed to love. And that's what people got angry at. I don't think it was for hating the wrong people. And in our modern age, Christians are being persecuted within Western culture for hating the wrong people, according to society. And I'm like, I don't think that's the way it's supposed to go, because what is the end game? What is the end game of telling people these are the things you need to change before God will even pay attention to you? What is the end game of that? To me... It's nothing more than, well, I've done what you told me to do, God. You told me to expose these people, to tell them all of this is sinful. And it's almost like, it's like, it's like uh, Nineveh. It's like, we just want that Jonah job of just being like saying, <laughs> repent, God's going to destroy all of you. All right, I feel good about it. You know, and it's like, are we going to be. Hallelujah. Yeah. And I just going to hell, praise God. <laughs> I sense that when we have grace for those people and we sit down with them, people are almost like Jonah sitting there like saying, what? What? You're sitting down with them? I hate this. I hate you. I hate that you're doing this. You're not even a real Christian. The fact that you will sit with tax collectors, you're not a real Christian. And I think that's kind of what I sense. I guess for me right now, I feel like the persecution that I would receive would be from the religious. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, I, I think I see it anytime you raise your head and try to say, you know, hey, God is love. We're supposed to love our enemies. Yes, even the people who don't like us. We're supposed to love them. You're Joe Biden, you're supposed to love him. Donald Trump, you're supposed to love him. Hillary Clinton, you're supposed to love her. I mean, if you if you speak that way to certain people, depending on who you're talking to, they're going to think you're nuts and they're not going to like, like, no, we utterly must condemn that person in the strongest measure possible. And, yeah. you know, I, I think we're much more interested in the, the condemning than truly loving people as, as we should. Okay, you said, have you ever touched God's anointed after being told not to? I guess I did. <laughs> did I put that on there? I think that might have been from last week. I don't know. 
Um, why do we see anyone other than Jesus, God's anointed? Well, I think this comes, you know, from Israel's kings. Right. And like this belief that God anoints certain people for a certain time. I think this is um, an idea. I, some Christians are so fixated with the Old Testament. It's like, are. I prefer the angry genocidal God right. over Jesus. And I'm like, I don't really understand how to deal with the angry genocidal God. I'm like, I, I don't really know what to do with that. Um, I do believe that as God protected Israel and was kind of like a mama bear where he was just like, yeah, I'll rip your face off. You mess with Israel. Like, I kind of understand that. I'm like, hey, that's kind of cool. So it was like, well, God might rip people's face off for my sake. That's that's great. Right. But I don't want people who disagree with me to get their faces ripped off. Like, I just, <laughs> it's not in me. And so I'm just, I'm not so intrigued by that. And so when you talk about God's anointed, it was like, there's certain people that God's called for a certain time. Okay, right. that's fine. Where that gets dangerous is when you got someone like Ravi Zacharias. Sure. And it's like, look at all the good he's doing. He's doing all this good. He's bringing the truth to all these people. And you know what? I attended, I didn't intend, it wasn't Ravi Zacharias, but it was part of his ministry. I attended one of their apologetics things. It was really cool. It was really informative. You know, I learned some things. It was really, you know, and so I'm like, I understand that there was some good done. But the problem is, is because he was the Lord's anointed. If women came forward and said, look, this guy's been doing some things. People are like, how dare, how dare you touch the anointed? Right. And it's like, you know what? These women are not destroying this guy's ministry. He destroyed it himself. Sure. And we need to be upfront with this as a church when things like this happen. And so, I mean, when you talk about not laying your hand on the anointed, Matt, I don't see that in the New Testament at all. It was an Old Testament thing with kings. And so I don't know. I think we... It's dangerous when we start saying who's the anointed and who's untouchable because it's like I joked, I think, in the couple episodes ago where I'm said, you know, it's a pastor. With a pastor, there's no rules. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is legitimately what's happening in this case. Is like, he's a pastor. There are no rules. He's the Lord's anointed. And that is so dangerous. And we're seeing that, you know, with people like Ravi Zacharias. Um, there's the guy from Hillsong. What's his name? Carl the celebrity Lenz. pastor. Carl Lenz. Right? Yeah. Um, Mark Driscoll, to a certain extent, that was happening too. Like he was he was bullying people and it was spiritual abuse and that was rampant. And there was so much pushback on it because people are like, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Or it's like, well, let's just forgive him. It's the Christian thing to forgive all these things. And I think what really, really struck me with Mark Driscoll is that people were all generally saying we should forgive him. And somebody said, and I think it was probably on the Bad Christian Podcast, it was like, when somebody does something terrible to someone else, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, I heard this thing, this terrible thing this person did to this other person. I can't look at the perpetrator and say, you know what? You're forgiven. Like, what does that say to the victim? It's not right. my job. I don't think it's my job to forgive the perpetrator myself because they didn't do anything to me. 
I don't think it's my job to condemn the perpetrator either. And this again is one of those situations where it's like, well, my truth bomb is Rabbi Zacharias was an evil guy that did evil things. Like, hmm. that's not my job. I, I don't need to show all of Twitter. You know, if I encounter someone who is a victim of this individual and they make a post and say, like, this this happened to me, I, I want to say I'm so, so sorry and this is wrong and this should not have happened. I can say that. Right. But I don't need to make a public post condemning a dead man. <laughs> you know, like it's I, I there's no reason for me to be doing that. Um, right. And not that I like anybody who's posted negatively about um, Ravi Zacharias that I'm like, oh, OK, you did the wrong thing. You should not have like I, I'm not going to I'm not going to bother judging those people and trying to determine what they should be doing. But like for me personally. If I'm uninvolved, it's not my job to condemn or forgive, I think. I think it's interesting to see the kind of cult of personality that develops around these touch-not, God's anointed stuff. And that not only do the, you know, the fans of the, the anointed one say it, but, you know, the, the individual that is perceived as God anointed, God anointed kind of starts embodying it and acting out on it and believes that there is special privileges uh, that come along with being God's anointed. It's kind of like Mel Brooks at the end of uh, History of the World, part one or whatever, where he's like, it's good to be the king as he ravishes some woman. Like, And, and we, we kind of take that approach and say, well, okay, you know, that's his thing. And we feel the need to protect that. And I worry that that, that that mindset, it's like, have we not even realized that Jesus has come and that our loyalties ultimately belong to him? Um, and that he alone is God's anointed to us, and that while other people can be tremendous sources of blessing um, and have a wonderful gifting and calling and do great things on behalf of the kingdom of God, because we are ultimately concerned about Jesus and the kingdom of God, when we realize some sort of transgression has happened, when some sort of sin has happened, when some sort of injustice has happened, because we love God's anointed, that is Jesus— we realize that, hey, we do need to call out this individual who is in trespass and sin and look to restore such an individual whenever possible and to ultimately hold them accountable and not just give them some sort of free pass because they think they're doing something wonderful for Jesus. Um, that we're, we're a different sort of community. We're not the kind of community that just like, oh, well, you know, we're like a like a politician who you know, as long as they're on our team, we don't care what they're doing. Um, and, and we can't have that sort of mentality. That's, that's the mentality of the world. Um, it's a mentality that ultimately reinforces demonic powers. Um, and as the church, we're called to, to free people from the liberty of those demonic powers. And so long as we're kowtowing to these little tiny messiahs uh, that run around and have great ministries, um, and so long as we're afraid to touch them when they need to be touched, you know, we're just betraying the one who is actually God's anointed, and that is Jesus Christ. Well, I think it, this is the thing, too, though, is like we I always think about how the children of Israel were like, we want a king. And it's like, no, you don't want a king like that's right. dumb. Like he will send your children to war 
or your men to war. Women didn't go to war, right? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> He'll send your men to war. He will, you know, whatever. There's all the things they do, right? And they're like, nope, we want a king. And like, it's like, okay, fine, you get a king. And I think in modern society, our kings are pastors. Right. And it's like, we want a CEO. It's like, well, that's dumb. Like, your CEO is going to become all arrogant. They're going to be, <laughs> you know, they're going to be buying their own book to make it a bestseller and, you know, spending thousands of dollars on sneakers. Right. No, we want a CEO, and that's what we've got. Like, we chose CEOs, right? And it's like, that's so crazy. And, like, for me, you know, over the last, I guess, couple of years, you know, going to, you know, a church that was becoming, you know, one of those larger churches in the city, you know, and had kind of that smoke and light show, and it was fun. And then moving to the suburb. And, you know, going to a church that's, you know, it's smaller, but it's got kind of the same thing. It's like the production quality at the church is so good and it's a beautiful thing and everything like that. And it's like my, my, I, I've gone through all this being, you know, quite cynical of this smoke and light show and saying, this is like, why, why does it have to be this way? Like, why can't we just break bread together you know why can't we just talk about jesus and break bread together right and it struck me you know like my mentality about pastors over the last couple of years have been um and i i guess at my previous church i knew the pastors a little more interacted with them a bit more i was on the worship team so i was one of the people on stage and what what every time i saw them preaching I was like thinking, this person's job is to open up the Bible and deliver the word to us. It's actually a lot like, um, I think maybe this actually came from, um, I was listening to an interview with Ron Howard, and Ron Howard's dad was an actor, and Ron Howard was a child actor. And Ron Howard is one of the few child actors that made it out like not being crazy and living a pretty ordinary life. And his dad took him aside and said, look, see that boy out there that's delivering the newspaper? His job is to take the newspaper on his bike and take it from the bike to all these different doorsteps. And he's like, your job is to go in front of a camera and deliver those lines to the camera. That's all you're doing. There's nothing special about what you're doing. That's all you're doing. And I think maybe it was from that that I started to look at preachers that way. And I'm like, his job is to open up the word and, and give us a message from the word. There's nothing, there's nothing to be like, okay, well, he's, he's up here and I'm just one of the little people down here. It's like, no, no, no. This guy's role is to just open up the Bible and give us some scripture and give us some observations along with the scripture. And you know what? Honestly, sometimes, wow, that was powerful. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, that wasn't it. Like that was, <laughs> dude, you were like way off base. And I'm like, and I'm okay with that. I'm glad I can recognize that because I'm I'm noticing that I'm not, I'm not buying into everything this person says because this person is a human, right? And so, I mean, does anointing exist? 
I think that God does call people to do certain things, but I think that we've made pastoral calling the highest calling that there can be. And I think we've put that too high on the list. Sure. We're supposed to be more of the church. If anything, I think COVID, um, especially with this, you know, everybody having to do church from home, um, except for a couple individuals who who realize that their the game that they've been playing all along uh, has been that of God's anointed and are insisting that, hey, I have to have 5,000 people come listen to me, otherwise church didn't happen because I'm God's anointed, and who else are they going to get it from? Um, I think that COVID, for most people in most of the church, though, outside of those circles that have the 5,000 that gather together to listen to the one guy talk every week after week, um, I think it's kind of maybe maybe realized how unimportant uh, that you know these superstar anointed preachers are to the lifeblood of the church, and that what we really need is just humble shepherds who labor among us however they can, whether that is up in a pulpit or whether that's from their living room while standing on or standing in front of the camera for a Zoom meeting. Um, that at the end of the day, that they just have a simple task that God has put on their heart and mind to do, and they're just going to carry that out. And they're going to carry that out with the same faithfulness as the, the little old church lady who, you know, has served the Lord humbly behind the scenes, uh, you know, serving in the food kitchen or, um, you know, coming in and cleaning the church every, you know, Saturday before Sunday comes around, you know. And that that maybe that these guys that we've put on a pedestal, maybe that they're not so important to the life of the church, because, frankly, we've been forced to meet in such a way as to where we're looking around saying, well, I don't see this guy every day anymore or I don't see him every week anymore. Um, And that, you know, maybe he's just not that important to my life and the life of the church as I have maybe previously misesteemed him as. Um, and maybe we'll start seeing each other more, hopefully just as brothers and sisters who are just journeying together along this, this path that we're on, um, just helping edify one another, build one another up and, and, uh, to make us more like Jesus, just in the common faith that we share than these Moses type figures who come from down on the mountaintop full of smoke, uh, and fire with, with some, with some, words carved in stone to share with us. Like, I don't need that Moses type person anymore. We, we have Jesus. So let us just share amongst each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And if some people are particularly good at that, great. And we love that. And we thank God for their gift, but we're not dependent upon it. And nothing bad is going to happen if that person were to disappear tomorrow. You said, let us again. Lettuce, <laughs> some honey mustard, and some and some uh, and tomatoes and cheese. <laughs> oh man, now I'm gonna ruin saw it for you quote, every time you hear someone quote, say lettuce. I saw that quote you did of me earlier. I, I forget what exactly it was. I think you were listening to my podcast and you yeah. <laughs> you quoted something I said and I said let us and you were like lettuce. <laughs> you're missing out on on your tweets that's why you got to listen to both shows folks my (laughs) tweets 
my tweets. I've had so much fun tweeting. My gosh. Anyways. Um, all right. Well, COVID vaccine. You getting it, Jimmy? When I can. I would like to get it sooner than later. Because um, I feel like if I got it, that maybe I can start putting 2020 behind me a little bit and start making, you know, striving for the future, knowing that I'm okay and probably everybody else is okay uh, that's going to be around me. And then I'm no longer going to be a possible threat to the lively, to the life of somebody else, including loved ones and family. Um, of course, if I get it, I don't know, I may just wake up one morning and see 666 working on my hand and, you know, have secretly got the mark of the beast and not even realized it. So, but I don't know, I think that's a risk I'm willing to take. Um, with uh, I honestly don't know anybody who believes that. I oh, think I do. If there's anything people are afraid of, is they don't think it's been tested enough and that it's got stuff in it that's bad for you. I, I know people who do believe that the vaccines have microchips in it. I do believe, I do know people who, while they may not officially say it's the mark of the beast, they paint it in every other sort of language possible to make you think it's nothing but a demonic ploy to prepare you to receive the mark of the beast. Yeah. See, I don't know any people like that. I know yeah. a lot of people that don't trust vaccines and think that we should just build herd immunity by exposing everybody to it. Right. And so, I mean, like, I really don't really spend time talking to those people anymore. I'm like, all right, like, whatever. But, like, the thing is, is, like, for me, it's like, well, I actually, I think I said this to um, my in-laws. I'm like, here's the thing. Like, first, all the, like, frontline workers are going to get it. Second, all the people your age are going to get it. <laughs> and I'm like, by the time we get it, we're going to know, like, it's probably good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, and I'm not going to, like, be, like, out of my way. I want to take this vaccine. But I think, like, probably what's going to happen is it's going to be a requirement for me to go to different work sites or, you know, and then, like, for sure I'll take it. I'm not going to fight right. it over that. I don't know. Like, I, I guess for me, too, it's kind of like, OK, well, here's the thing. We got medical per people, you know, people, researchers and like, you know, these health advisors and you've got your government people and they're all kind of working together and saying, like, you know, at least in my where I live, I know that my government is like, let's get the economy going. That's mostly what they care about they want to get the economy going right. so there's no doubt in my mind they're going to get us up and running as soon as they can right and so i look at that and i'm like okay so yes there's a lot of bad things about restrictions and there's people that are going to struggle for mental health issues there's addiction issues there's all these bad things these these businesses you know small businesses that have gone under there's all these terrible things but in my mind, it's like, okay, well, whatever blood is on people's hands, it's it's on the government's hands right now. Now, if I go and try to force the government's hand and say, you know what? No vaccine. Get rid of the vaccine. Let's all protest. Let's all force them to not have the vaccine. Now, whatever blood there is, is now on our hands because we forced the government's hand and we said, and I'm like, I'm not really prepared to make those kinds of decisions. <laughs> so I'm being quite passive about this because I'm looking at this and saying, well, 
And I mean, like, you know, I, I'm kind of done arguing with people about this. I'm like, there's people who are like, the vaccine cannot be trusted. Okay, that's fine. You can do your thing. And if you're if you're wrong about this, and this continues longer because you guys have decided that you're not going to go along, blood's on your hands. It's not on my hands. Right. Right? Me taking the vaccine, it's... Um, could be harmful to me. And you know what? I'm not afraid to die. (laughs) 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 Because I'm brave. Shame on you for being afraid. Right. Well, I I think, I think my, I, I, yeah, I just like, that's the thing. I'm just like, I I don't, I, I'm convinced that we are just going to be divided on this. Sure. And it's like, I, I think, What's really interesting, I was listening to a guy who is an addictions counselor, and um, he talked about how he deals with drug addicts, and he said that he's like doing this treatment program with this guy, and this guy says, you know what, I just want to be done with the treatment program, and he said, as a counselor, for him to say, no, you should not be done, this is a bad idea, that's not going to fix the problem. So instead, this is his approach. He looks at the person who's addicted and says, okay, all right, you don't have a home to go to. You're going to end up on the streets. So what's your plan? Like, how how are you going to do this? Like, you're going to walk out the doors here, and where are you going? And basically concedes, like says, okay, no, no, no. Okay, you're going to leave. Okay, now where are you going? And I was like, dang, I like that approach. You know what? I'm going to concede. Okay. Okay. This um, vaccine has the bark of the beast in it. <laughs> what do we do now? Right? Or where does this go? Like, what is the full game plan? Because, I mean, like, this is worldwide. And you're going to stop it by not taking the vaccine? Because I, I know a lot of people that are taking it, and they're not going to hear you out. I mean, like, maybe you should sit down with the people that are not going to, that are going to take it, and maybe, hmm, why don't you talk to them and say, like, so what's your game plan? You going to take this? <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's like, all right, but um, I don't know. It's 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 pretty crazy because I I just think we have people who have are living in different realities, and for me, I don't know what I don't know, and I'm okay with not knowing it. Right. I haven't researched what's in the vaccine. I so I don't then, know what my so then how do you know it doesn't have a microchip? In it? How do you know it doesn't have the mark of the beast in it if you've not researched it? <laughs> How do you know you're not taking the mark of the beast, John? Hmm. I'm not even sure how that works. Like, it's like I'm inadvertently going to take the mark of the beast and then I end up going to hell for all eternity. Is that exactly that's that's, that's how it works? You inadvertently take the mark of the beast. That's the entire point. All these people are going to secretly get the mark of the beast and then they're not going to be able to go to heaven when they die from COVID. Yeah. No, there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know, but I I do like that idea of just questioning and saying, okay, we'll accept your reality for a moment. Um, 
what happens now, right? right. And because I mean, like, I I got into a conversation with a lady on Facebook where she was like saying, "Well, just just isolate the vulnerable." And I've heard this so many times, and I'm like, "Okay, okay, so, okay, so we got the vulnerable. We know who the vulnerable are. We say that they are." the elderly and their people with preconditions. Okay, so we know that. All right, so we isolate them. We say, you're not allowed to see your family. Um, now, the healthcare workers that work inside there, um, they need to be isolated too. They can't see their family. So we're gonna isolate all those people. Um, okay, you know what? We just discovered this guy here has kind of a liver issue. He now gets added to the isolated people. How long are these people isolated away from their right. families? Like probably a year and a half, you know, from now. That's what we're going to do. And then that way, all the people that we know are not vulnerable can just do whatever. And we might discover that some of those people are also vulnerable. Once they get the disease, we're like, oh, no, this guy's having lung issues. We then put them in with that, and they end up with the people that are like, I don't know. It's 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 kind of interesting to actually do these thought experiments, and I'm just like, this is better. Like I, I don't know how. Like I don't think that's better. Like it's 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 awful to me that like my you know my wife's great grandmother is isolated already, but she's been able to see you know one family member periodically. I don't want to take that away from her. Um, and so. And like I said, our hospitals are full. So we, we're doing what we're doing. And I, it just, it's astounding to me that people are still trying to say they know better and they have a better idea. I, I, yeah, I don't know what to say to that. Their idea is just to thump their chest and act like nothing's going to happen. And then when something happens, you know, just be like, oh, well. I mean, I, 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 this has been my beef for the past, you know, year about this is, you know, this entire pandemic has required us to make hard decisions. And I think I've been saying consistently since the beginning, we need to make those hard decisions, as painful as they may be, up front, so that a year and a half, two years, three years from now, that we're not still de dealing with this crap. And your refusal to put on a mask, your refusal to you know, keep yourself socially distanced, your refusal to get a vaccine just prolongs this hellscape that we live in with COVID. And that's, that's part of my concern going into the, the coming year with 2021 is that we've been planting these seeds for so long and I think we're going to ultimately reap those seeds in our little harvest here. And because we've been like, oh, no, I don't believe this is a thing or no, this thing's not as bad as they say. And, oh, I'm not going to let them tell me what to do with my life. I'm free. Um, oh, I'm not going to take the vaccine because, you know, I don't trust it because I read some meme on Facebook that said I shouldn't trust it. Um, no, I didn't talk to my doctor about whether I should get the vaccine or not. But, you know, I, I, I saw the meme on Facebook. Like, and I'm just like, it's it's these people who are going to be the reason we can't have nice things um, because they've come up with all sorts of mental hoops that you have to play in these jet like Jedi mind tricks. You're kind of like proposing that we have to play with them uh, in order to get them to comply. 
And part of me is like, man, this is why this is not going to be done this year or next year or even the near. I, I would venture to say not even we won't be done with this this year. We'll still be talking about this in the summer of 2022 of why there are still partial lockdowns and, you know, why we're still having to have debates about government stimulus checks and, and all that sort of stuff. It's like because people are refusing to do the hard thing and maybe even the scary thing in the immediate short term timeline because they're sitting there thinking, oh, there's going to be some random disease that this vaccine gives me 30 years from now. Um, it, it's kind of like, all I just, I don't understand it. People are finding every excuse that they can to prolong this. And we, I think we could have already been over this and maybe not even having needed a vaccine if we would have just done the hard thing from the beginning. But now the toothpaste is out of the bottle and we're having to deal with the world that we live in now and it's never going back in. And until everybody gets this vaccine at a high rate, we're going to be dealing with this. And I think, you know, at least here in the States, I don't have very much confidence in the government to, to, to roll this vaccine out in a way that will be distributed in a way that everybody will take it. Um, <laughs> instead, they're going to do things that botch it up and create fear and paranoia and suspicion and people are going to fuel the flames that already existed and 2021 is not going to be a great year because of this and we could have it all done by summer if everybody would just take the vaccine but you know because they're not they, they have this this right to whatever thing that they imagine they're pursuing to make their life better um and in the process just Making everybody else's life, including their own, worse, and that frustrates me to no end. So, I want to get the so vaccine. Do you, do you have a strong opinion on this? <laughs> so the great thing about democracy, though, is that you know, like your your nation is run by the people, right? So the people, people generally make good decisions. That's kind of the premise of the government system. Mm -hmm. And so um, the people make the right decision. The people are always right. I, I remember hearing that when a politician um, lost the election in Canada um, after years of running the country. He's like, the people are always right. Mm. And I think that's something that kind of blows my mind about democracy and like kind of Christianity combined with democracy is that we kind of say, well, let people make their own decisions. That's the Christian way. Um, we don't want big government. We want a tiny, tiny little government um, that barely like doesn't interact with people. Like right. it's like just, um, I don't know. I don't even know what the government's supposed to do in the smallest of governments, but it's like if, if we have the government, um, intervene as little as possible that is the ideal thing right so it's like okay so you don't interfere with people's day-to-day -day lives um that's the ideal because people will make good decisions and so the problem is is people think that the government scientists and the media are all conspiring and all of this is something you can't be trusted. And Jimmy, because you trust all of this, you're a sheep. 
Right. And you're falling right into their hands. Right. Everything you believe, Jimmy, has been pushed on you by you watching a certain TV station repeatedly. And so that's where we're at. And so I just, it's, we, like, to tell people that because of their decisions they're making in a free country, this is why all of this sucks, they're going to look at you and say, no, no, it's because the government, it's because the media is pushing fear, it's because, you know, there's, they have an alternate story for all of this. And so I think where we're at is I just really believe in 2021, we need to trust that our God is big enough to handle all of this. Absolutely. And come what may, whether we all end up with the vaccine and we're forced to take the vaccine and we all end up with these chips and people are tracking us and they know that we're going to church and they shut down all the churches. If that's the worst case scenario, God is still un- in control. Absolutely. If not enough people take the vaccine and we end up with our hospitals overrun and people refuse to slow down and we have people dying of diseases that are not COVID because we don't have enough space in the hospital, you know what? God is in control. And I think it's, I'm done fighting a fight with flesh and blood. Mm. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to say, interesting. Where does this go? President bleep is a reptilian. (laughs) And, and he wants to lay eggs. And the eggs are implanted in the vaccine. <laughs> okay, well, that's interesting. So, like, where do the eggs come out? Like, <laughs> tell me a story, man. And you know what? I want 2021 to just be curious and for me to not condemn people for the decisions they're making, even if those decisions are what is making this thing continue, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I still think that this is real. I still think that the government's doing the best they can because I'm looking at what's happening worldwide and I'm like, pretty much every government is behaving the same. They're reacting the same to this thing. So I still have a hard time believing in the conspiracy. But hey, if the conspiracy is correct, then man, I spent a lot of time at home that I didn't need to. And I'm okay with that, you know? And so I'm, I'm curious. I don't know. I think I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about what the whole story is for these people that have, that live on this alternate timeline. Right. It's like, well, tell me, tell me a story. Cause I'm like, I cannot get everybody to be on the same page. But what I can do is trust God and try to find those commonalities between me and those people. And it's like um, learning to speak the same language as whoever we're talking with, right? I, 
I, I really believe if someone's completely secular and they're like, God doesn't exist. I can look at them and say, do you believe in love? And they're like, yeah, love's a good thing. It's like, okay, cool. Do you love your daughter? And it's like, yes, I love my daughter. And it's like, well, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And it's like, what, what, if, what if your love could be more pure? What if you could love your daughter more? Do you think you could love your daughter more? You know, and just kind of pull on that thread that's already there, right? And even if you've got the most crazy conspiracy theorist Christian telling you that, like, there's, there's demons in this pill or whatever, you know, it's like, okay, okay, okay. Do you trust God? So you already said you believe in God. Do you trust in God right now? Because I feel like anxiety is overtaking you right now. And you are freaked out that everyone's taking this vaccine. And it's like, I think you need to calm down. I think, I think you need to trust that God is big enough. And I think like we really need to work at meeting people where they're at because this, these accusations that we're lobbing at each other are not fixing things. And and what I'm seeing is like we've got one side of the spectrum that is full of baby murderers. And we got another side of the spectrum which is racist and only cares about the economy. And the reality is that's not who those people are on either side. And so it's like, how do we actually know people? as they are and i think some of this requires a little bit of pretend okay okay so so you're running away from home you're a five-year-old and you said i'm running away from home it's like okay all right i'll help you pack your bags now (laughs) it's it's pretty cold outside like you're probably gonna want like an extra sweater and you might i don't think I don't think you could spend all night outside like that. Like, do you have like a building you can go into for the night? And it's like, let's let's just go with this and see where this goes. And like, hopefully if there is a misstep in logic, we can find it together. And you know what? I'm perfectly willing to admit if we go down this fantasy route and it turns out, you know what? You're right you're right, this is not a fantasy, and I'm so sorry I was so condescending towards you about this conspiracy theory. Because, you know, turns out some of these conspiracy theories do end up being true. Right. The government did LSD experiments on people. Yes, that happened. The government did mass sterilization of, you know, people with disabilities. That happened, Right. At one point, there were people who were selling other human beings. Actually, it's still happening. That sounds like a conspiracy theory. That's true, though. Right? And so I think we need to give each other more grace, give each other more benefit of the doubt, knowing that our anchor is that God is still under control. And you know what? My, big, my, my God is big enough to handle a government that's out of control, a media that's constantly lying to us, a, what was the third thing? Scientists that are just making stuff up. Um, 
people who refuse to acknowledge the truth. You know, people who refuse to wear masks. My God is big enough to handle all of that. So, yeah. I hope this podcast was somewhat coherent for you all. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Any last words, Jimmy? Uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's, it's going to be a great year but in spite of all the things I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's much.